Hey everyone, welcome back to Staying Connected. This is Katie, your host, and today I have Crystal with me. Hey, Crystal. Hi, how are you, Katie? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. So you've agreed to talk to us about your story with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and I'm super excited to talk to you. I've heard awesome things. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so how old are you? I am 39. And how long have you known that you have VEDS? I have known since 1997, approximately. Are you the only one in your family? No, my mother and my brother also had vascular EDS. Can you tell me about them? I certainly can. Uh, My mother, Carolyn is her name, um, she found out in 1994 that she had EDS as a result of not being able to move her arms one day when she came home from work and she went to the hospital they ran several tests and were unable to figure out exactly what was wrong with her and they out of boredom after being in the emergency room for several hours i decided to show one of the doctors a very neat trick of moving my fingers backwards and at that time we thought it was called double jointed and the doctor uh, inquisitively asked me was my mother able to do the same and I said of course she could do the same <laughs> and I said my brother can do it too you want me to show you and he was like no and he asked me some other questions and went back and did some research and he discovered discovered from previous education through medical school that she had vascular EDS so he thought she was tested and it came back positive She had, at that time, two blood clots in her forearm, one in each arm, and she also had one in each leg. Um, Yeah. What were those blood clots from? They really don't know. She just went went to work one day and was fine and came home, and she just was unable to to move her hands. It was... um, really strange that they were both located in the same area in both arms. One was much bigger than the other one, Mm -hmm. but they had to remove them both so that she could continue to to have the usage of her arms. Wow. And um, so what led them to think vascular type? At that time, we weren't really aware of Ehlers-Danlos, so they took a biopsy from her and they took it to a lab and when they came back that is I'm not sure how they test that but that's the diagnosis that they gave her and I know that they asked her some some leading questions about family history and um, she told them that her grandmother had suffered um, from a aneurysm in her head that she passed away from and my mother's brother was believed to also have had EDS they didn't know at the time but he also had blood clots in his arms and eventually he passed away from those as well. He had them in his both arms and in his chest. Wow. So what about your brother? My brother was diagnosed about 1997, same time I was. He um, used to play a lot of sports and when he was in high school, he had a blood clot in his leg 
he was young, so they did the surgery. They didn't know he had it, removed it, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in his early 20s, well, I should say late 20s, he went to a restaurant and thought he had food poisoning from the restaurant. He went to the emergency room and they did some tests on him and found that he had several holes in his intestines. And they took out a part of his intestines, put them back together, and put a colostomy bag in the middle. And he was very sick for a while, but he was able to recover from it. And um, it took some time, but he got back to normal. Um, Unfortunately, he suffered another bowel rupture um, two years ago in October 2016, and he had about eight holes in his intestines. He was rushed to the hospital, and they were unable to repair the holes. They were, um, they described it as exploding um, within faster than they could repair it, and so he was taken over um, by that, and he perished. He did not make it. Um, He was 40 years old. Wow. And your mom passed away from a bowel rupture as well? Yes, my mother passed away just... 11 months after my brother, she also suffered a bowel perforation that they attempted to repair and they were unable to repair it. Um, The thought process was if they could get to it to repair it, her skin was so thin that there was no way for them to close her after the surgery. Um, The tissues around the area that they needed to get to, they describe as friable cotton candy like and they just could never get to the affected area to repair it without damaging the tissues around it and they were unable to close her back so she also perished she was 68 wow so have you also had bowel complications or what kind of complications have you had i have not uh, thank god suffered any um bowel perforations or any issues with my bowels at at this time. Um, I did suffer a uterine rupture upon the birth of my daughter in 2012 um, that led me to have three surgeries and nine blood transfusions. I was in ICU for an entire week and I didn't see my daughter until she was three days old um, and that was by way of a picture. And then I eventually saw her when she was about five days old they let me hold her for a little while mm-hmm. um but i did i did uh survive that thank goodness and tell now me, i tell usually, me more about that story um well i found out that i was pregnant with her i actually i found out before her. i had a miscarriage before her and within two months i was pregnant again and i went to john hopkins and spoke to the specialist there and they did not think it was in my best interest with my age I was 30 they did not think with my age and with vascular EDS that it was a good idea for me to carry on with the pregnancy they told me that I would most likely not make it through the delivery and or the pregnancy itself but uh, with discussion with my husband and just my faith in God I decided that I no longer wanted to discuss the negativity 
I, I advised the doctors and the nurses at that time was the last discussion I wanted to have. And I just wanted to move forward with a healthy pregnancy and whatever it took for that to come to light, that's what I was going to do. And I took every precaution, went to every appointment, I ate whatever they told me to eat, and I did whatever they told me to do to ensure that she was healthy and that I was too. And my goal was really for her um, to make it safe and healthy here. After that, I wasn't as much concerned with myself. Mm -hmm. I was more concerned with her. And uh, once she was born on her due date, they induced my labor on her due date. And after she came out, she cried and I was good to go. I said, God, whatever you do now, it's up to you. And I started to feel the pain. Like it felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. I thought I was having a heart attack. And they told me later on that my uterus had ruptured and I was losing a lot of blood. And that was the weight that I was feeling. Wow. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> to make it, so you made it through the entire delivery and then it happened? Yes. Yes. And what did they do after that? To repair um, the rupture, they the first surgery that I had, they put a balloon-like apparatus to stop the bleeding. Mm -hmm. And I woke up in ICU and I just didn't feel right. And they came in to check me and it was, you know, I was all connected to tubes and everything. I couldn't talk, but I could kind of gesture that something wasn't right. And they noticed that I bled around the balloon. So they took me back into surgery again and they put in like a mush mesh type gauze there to stop the bleeding. Mm -hmm. And then they you know, sewed me up. And then that apparently stopped. It allowed my tissues and everything to start to repair themselves. And like two days later, they went back in and took that out. And from that point on, the body just started to heal itself. And I stayed in the hospital for a while. Um, and they, I was told they had to move some things around down there. <laughs> Just to, you know, to keep me alive. And so actually I did get discharged from the hospital and I came home and a day or so later I ended up going back because my, I guess the way that I was digesting food and disposing of the food wasn't normal for me it wasn't the normal way that you use the bathroom for me okay and so you know i went i ended up going back and they just basically told me with you know ads you you can clot a lot and that's what was happening the body was creating clots of its own to kind of repair itself oh. so it was just it was just getting used to that but eventually that went away okay that's so interesting. They just yeah. move, like when you say that they just move things around down there. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's such a weird thought. <laughs> I asked the doctor why didn't they, you know, make it so that give me like a hysterectomy or make it so I couldn't have any more kids. He said, Miss, we were just trying to save your life at that point. I said, Okay, I understand. I'll take it. I'll take it. Priorities. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so that was in two thousand twelve, you said? Yes. So your daughter is, is six now? Yes. She's a blushing 
active six-year-old. That's awesome. What is her name? Faith. Aw. Faith. So she was, she made it through the surgery just, or through the delivery just fine then. Yes, she was fine. The problem. And has yeah. she had any problems? Do you know if she has feds? We have had her tested, and we've also had my brother's daughter tested. They were both, um, we were told that neither one of them have it. So we are excited about that. That's great. Yes. That's so great. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. like a, it's a 50-50 chance, I think, right? Yes. Yes, it is. That is so yeah. great. So you're the last one in your family. Yeah, and I'm the last one. What has this experience with everything been like for you? I would be remiss if I didn't say it was scary. Um, It is very scary. It is scary on a daily basis. Um, It's scary on an hourly basis because for my brother and I, we knew of the odds of the age, but because my mother was 68, we thought that, oh, well, she made it to 68, you know, we surely can make it with all the technology and healthier ways of eating and and things of that nature. So we kind of like put it on the background. It wasn't really, you know, on the forefront for us. And then when my brother unexpectedly passed, I saw him on Monday and he was deceased by Wednesday. Um, That was like a screeching halt for me. Um, And instead of being depressed, where I found myself falling into a depression after losing both my brother and my mother, um, I decided to take that depression, the energy I was about to waste on being depressed, and turn that into awareness energy. Mm-hmm. And I am self-motivating. I am trying to teach others and make people aware of what's going on, how it can affect you, how you should get tested. Um, so I still struggle day to day because I, I miss them truly. But I think that the Ellers Download Society and being able to find a support group of individuals like myself who struggle with it has been a blessing to me because it gives me that motivation to continue on. Mm-hmm. And so where I am scared, I don't let that overcome me or succumb me and take me over. I try to be more positive and just live every day like it's my last, make it the best from the time I wake up to the top, go to sleep. I tell my daughter all day, every day, I love her. I spend as much time with her and my husband as I can. And I just smile through it. That's amazing. To take that kind of experience and turn it around and make it a awareness raising positive spin on things, you know? Yeah. So you were diagnosed when you were younger when your mom was diagnosed, right? Yes. And then that whole period of time between when you were diagnosed as a kid and when you had uh, faith, did were you like pretty much symptom free? Um, I was major symptom free, but we always knew about 
the thin skin, the easy tearing, the easy bruising, or bruising didn't know where it came from, or um, as a kid, I used to sit on the counter, and I would jump off the counter, and I would always get this big vein pop out the bottom of my foot. Um, I knew about things like that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily know that that was a result of it. Um, we kind of knew, but didn't really it wasn't a big deal to us because it was always what it was Mm -hmm. um so we didn't really focus on that a lot that's good (laughs) 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 that is i like to look back at things because i didn't find out until i was 27 28 i just turned 28 when i found got the diagnosis and um for me, it was like looking back over all of the things in my life, it just made so much more sense. Oh, now I'll agree with that. A lot of things make a lot more sense um, now that I do know. And I wish that my mother and my brother were able to know as much as I know now, um, kind of. Because for my brother, I kind of admire him because since he didn't know, he really didn't have anything to fear. So uh, for him, he just, lived life he just did a lot of things and there was no fear whereas for me there's still even though it's in the background there's still fear mm-hmm. so it's kind of um my husband calls things a blessing and a curse if you will mm-hmm. to know i definitely feel that yeah 100 percent. because i am like the more i learn about it the better it's almost like the better i feel because i know Right. But at the same time, it makes me think about so much more with every decision. Right. And it's Absolutely. Like, I'm like in a constant state of risk analysis. Yes. And that can be very stressful. <laughs> it can. Yes. Like some decisions are very easy, you know, like I'm not going to eat that today or right. I'm not going to do this today or I shouldn't do that ever. But other things, like, <laughs> <laughs> really, though, like, other things, you just, yeah, it's just, just I mean, like, on the edge, you know? Is it risky or is it not? It's, like, a, right. it's a hard thing to decide and to sit there and, and even think about. And that's when I start getting down as I start thinking about it. And then I'm, like, man, the fact that I have to think about this at all sucks. Right. Yeah, it does. It, it does. does. <laughs> I mean, little, little things scare me because, you know, like with both of them having bowel perforations, you know, if I feel any little pain in my stomach, I'm like, oh, my God, is this it? <laughs> yeah, and I have a lot of, like, kind of, like, not very severe bowel issues, but I feel like that's I'm going to. Right. If that makes sense. Yes. So I'm, like, constantly yes. trying to watch what I eat, but I'm also very much failing because I love cookies. <laughs> so I'm very much failing there but I'm always like worried about it now like overeating and stuff I'm just a lot more cautious than I was before yeah um so what kind of exercise do you do what kind of activities do you like to do uh I struggled for a while with exercise there were things that of course after I had my daughter I wanted the flat stomach um and I wanted to do sit-ups and you know, work out with weights and things. And of course with EDS and the, the thin tissues, that's not really an option. I tried to walk every morning and then 
arthritis started to settle in my knee and that became a challenge. So recently I have joined an aqua aerobics class that I absolutely love. The pool is warm, so that's good for the muscles, to relax the muscles. Mm -hmm. And the class that I take is not strenuous, it's kind of at your own pace. Um, so you don't overdo it and you don't really get as exhausted as you would. And it, it's still um, difficult, it's still, you know, that body build up so you're still getting the exercise and I only do it once a week not to overexert myself but I, I really like it and I have a six-year-old as you mentioned so <laughs> I get a lot of exercise from running around behind her and just keeping up with her and all of her activities so that's what I do mostly I, I try to walk around at work not too much um, but I kind of take it easy, you know, a little arm exercises here and there. Um, but my aqua aerobics class is my saving grace for aerobics and exercise, I think. <laughs> so what, what do you do for work? I am a systems analyst, so I have like a desk job, so it's really not strenuous at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm always interested to see what different people do. Yeah, it's yeah. not interesting. Because we're all different. <laughs> <laughs> um, I noticed that a lot of individuals I come in contact with through different social media sites and groups that I've joined, that people feel that their doctors are not properly diagnosing them. And when you asked me the question about how we were diagnosed, and I told you about the doctor at the hospital, after that diagnosis and I went to you know just your regular physician I was passed around a lot because I was told that Ellis Nellos is something that they only talk about for about a week in medical school with mm -hmm. all the things that they learn in medical school EDS is only discussed for about a week so it's really important for people to educate themselves because I find myself educating my doctors yes as weird as that sounds, you know, sometimes you have to challenge your doctor, even though you feel like, oh, they have this degree sitting on the wall and they should know and I'm paying them no, they don't always know. And a lot of them go by what's in the books, the research books, but it's up to those of us patients that have it to rewrite those books. If we don't tell them or tell other people about our symptoms and our experiences, the doctors can only go by what has been written and who knows who's writing those books so in order for us to be able to be effective for the future to come I don't I don't foresee there being a cure why I'm living but what I can foresee is me being able to make other people aware to help them be a cure for the next generation I'm paying it forward in my eyes mm -hmm. and I'm fine with that it is so true too because I find myself like, if I, especially in the ER. The ER is where I see it the most because I'm very picky now of which doctors mm. I go to. Yes. But the ER, the docs, you know, mm -hmm. they'll either disregard the Ehlers Danlos because they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. Or right. um, they'll tell me that all the types are the same. Or they ask me to start. I'm like, oh, I have vascular Ehlers Danlos syndrome. And they're like, oh. Like, does that mean like you can like build, bend your elbows really far and stuff? And I'm like, well, actually, it means this. 
Right. Yes. <laughs> you know, like I'm so not you quite as handy. Take a write up with you to the hospital and say, read this and then come back. <laughs> yeah, and I have an emergency book that has some very good information that um, Utah Medicine, uh, the University of Washington, they have. Yes. A, like an emergency passport booklet thing, which yeah. I have. I find it like I don't ever go anywhere without it. And I have found that some doctors will look at it, but some doctors just won't. They'll just throw it over to the right. side. But it's got some very useful information in there. And I remember when I first opened it, I was looking at it has all these blank spots for you to enter information about yourself, right? So, like, your name and all the standard stuff. And then they've got, like, five lines for um, aneurysms and, like, five lines for bowel rupture events. And I just remember looking at it and being like, holy crap. <laughs> this is, like, I mean, that's, like, one of the first things I got when I was diagnosed. And it was so intimidating. Yeah. But now it's something I just won't go anywhere without. Right. You have to. You have to be your own research mm-hmm. because everyone's story is different. And it's easy to characterize it as this one disease or syndrome or however they want to characterize it, but everyone is different. Mm-hmm. Not one fixed button, push the button and it's fixed. It's different. Well, it was so good to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. I love talking to other people with us because you get it. You totally get yeah. it. It's, it's, um, it's a very good feeling. It's an unfortunate feeling. It's a very good feeling to talk to someone who, like you said, gets it. And they're not, like, weirded out by it. They're not like, oh, you're exaggerating. It mm-hmm. is really comforting to know that someone else out there feels the same thing that you feel on a daily basis. They're scared, but, you know, you have to continue to live life. Mm-hmm. Pushing forward. Pushing forward. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Was there anything else that you wanted to share with the listeners? I just want the listeners to make sure that they spread the awareness amongst as many people as they can. Put it on your social media. Talk to your family. Talk to your friends. Talk to people who could care less. Make them hear you. They don't have to care about it, but make them hear you. Um, I want the awareness for EDS to be as big as the awareness is for cancer. Everyone is affected by cancer or know someone who's been affected by cancer. You're not going to know necessarily someone who's affected by EDS, but that doesn't mean you don't have to know about it. So education is definitely necessary. Awareness is definitely appreciated. Mm -hmm. And if you can make a difference in just one person's life, if I can make a difference in one person's life, I feel that I have fulfilled my duty here on earth. So when I pass on, I want my family to be able to say she affected at least one person by telling her story. Mm. You affected me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you so much again. You're really quite welcome. It. Thank you for the privilege and the honor of being on your podcast. Oh. all right so um thank you everybody for listening this was staying connected and this was crystal if you want to be on the podcast you want to tell me about your story with beds or you just want to reach out and talk to me about your story with beds and you don't want to be on a podcast there are people out here and 
we are here and so um thank you again for listening new episode out on the last sunday of every month and i will talk to you soon